This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That was the faithless generation with the greatest unbelief. And for that reason, it was the greatest generation because it was the greatest generation of unbelief. It was also the greatest generation of stubbornness. They were the most stubborn of all generations because they saw so many works. And the Lord Jesus said in regard to their stubbornness, John 10, 32, John 10, 32, Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father, for which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou being a man makest thyself God. All those good works that the Lord Jesus did pointed to the one fact, he's God, he's God, he's God, and they knew that. And yet that was the generation that was the most stubborn in their refusal to let those good works lead them to bow before Jesus as God. That was the most stubborn of generations that made him the greatest generation in their stubbornness. It was also the greatest generation because that was the generation that hardened their heart more than any other generation. They hardened their heart to not want to see poor, sick people healed if it meant that they were going to be healed by Jesus. Mark 3, 3, he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth, he saith unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he looked round upon them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. That was the greatest generation because that was the generation that hardened their heart more than any other generation. That was the greatest generation because of their rejection of and their stubbornness against and their hard-heartedness against the Lord Jesus, and that made that generation the most unworthy of generations. Matthew 22, 3, Matthew 22, 3. 
He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed. All things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and treated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. That was the greatest generation because that generation was the most unworthy of generations. So because that was the generation that had the greatest rejection of the Lord, the greatest unbelief, the greatest stubbornness, the greatest hard-heartedness, the greatest unworthiness, any generation, that made that generation the greatest generation because that was the generation with the greatest guilt of any generation. And that made that generation the greatest because that generation also with the greatest guilt was the generation with the greatest judgment, was the greatest judgment that was ever dealt out by God to man. And that's why the Lord said about the, that greatest generation that they had the greatest judgment coming in verses 20 through 24. Verses 20 through 24. Then began he to abrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Kerosene. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in you, which had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom, uh, for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, you'll be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and the land in the day of judgment than for you. That was the greatest generation because this generation had the greatest shame of any other generation and other generations would consequently rise up in the great judgment and condemn it because of the privileges and the advantages that they had over other generations. Like the men of Nineveh, who only had the prophet Jonah to guide them to repentance, to guide them to God, and they came to God, and it will be the men of Nineveh who will condemn this greatest generation because this generation didn't repent when they had the God of Jonas, Jonah the preaching to them in Matthew 12.41, Matthew 12.41, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, the greater than Jonas is here. The Queen of Sheba shall return to the stage again and this time it'll be to the judgment stave, stage there and she's gonna look at this greatest generation and she'll rise in judgment against this greatest generation and condemn it because she's going to say, I came all the way from Ethiopia to sit and listen to the wisdom of King Solomon so I could change my life. And you, the greatest generation, have the God of Solomon in your backyard and you refuse to hear him, I condemn you. That's what's going to happen. Luke 11.31, Luke 11.31, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. 
That's what made this generation the greatest generation because it was the, the generation with the greatest judgment compared to other generations. Now, all of this is to say that this generation, this greatest generation, had the greatest judgment because they had the greatest advantages compared to any generation. It was the generation of advantages. They were the ones that had the advantage to see and hear the Lord, and that made their judgment the greatest because they didn't respond, and that's a great warning, a great warning to every person who knows the Bible, to every person who attends a good Bible-preaching church, to every person who hears good Bible preaching on the television or the radio or a Bible class, because the greater the light that a person has, the greater his responsibility to respond to that light. And this is all about response. And the greater his judgment will be if he refuses that light. Luke 12, 48, Luke 12, 48. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. This is the greatest generation because much more was given to this generation compared to other generations in what they saw and they heard directly from the Lord, and therefore they had the much more responsibility than any other generations, and therefore they had the responsibility to have much more response compared to other generations, and therefore they had much more judgment because they turned away from their responsibilities and their response. So after the Lord has struggled now with a way to communicate what this generation is like, how is he going to communicate that this generation has the greatest rejection, unbelief, stubbornness, hard-heartedness? And he's thinking about it here in verse 16, and all of a sudden he has his eureka moment. He says, I know, I know just the best analogy, a parable to bring the point home about this generation. It seems here like our wonderful, sensitive Lord has been to the marketplace. And he's been to the marketplace, and when Jesus is there, he's looking around, and he sees children. He saw children. He saw children. His eyes always went to children. He loved children. When others had no patience with children, he had all the time in the world for, to spend with children. Like the time when it's recorded in Matthew 19.13, Matthew 19.13, there were, then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And his disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and they departed thence. One thing that the Lord really loved about children is their humility. He loved their humility. As a matter of fact, when the disciples were having one of their very valuable arguments about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, he brought a little child right into the circle and presented the child with his humility. He said, this is so important that if a person doesn't become like a child with the humility, he can't get into heaven. He won't even go into heaven. That's what he said. 
In Matthew 18, one through four, Matthew 18, one through four. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, verily I say unto you, except you be converted, become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He loved children. He loved children. And so when he's in the marketplace one day, and we can imagine what it's like there, all the hustle and bustle and the yelling and the shouting of the buying and the selling. And all off in the corner there, he sees the little children, little children who've been told by their parents, go play, we gotta do some business. And so he sees the children playing, and the children, you know children, they love to play, they love to observe and imitate adults. That's what they like to do. They like to copy adults. And so the children have devised this game, a game of imitating adults. So here's how the game worked. So one group of children would have these little flutes, small flutes, and they would be the players in the game. And another group of children would be the responders, the listeners, the actors. So the flute player children, they'd play a song, and the acting children, they would listen to the music and they would act accordingly. They'd copy adults, you know? So the children, they'd been to funerals and they'd heard the sad music, the dirges, and they'd seen the adults go through their crying and their grief. And so the game was that when the children played the sad music on their flutes, the acting children would respond by crying and wailing and acting like the adults did at funerals. And then the children had been to festive parties and they had heard the happy music and they'd seen the adults dancing, 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 dancing with joy. And so when the children played the happy music on their flutes, then the listening children, the acting children, the responding children, were expected to start dancing. That's the game. The listening children did what the music indicated they should do. The listening children didn't know what kind of music the flute was gonna play for the children who were gonna play on the flute. They had to listen and be ready to act and respond. And if the music changed, then they had to sing. It's kinda like musical chairs. Anyway, only on this day that the Lord was watching the children play the game in the marketplace, there was a problem with the children. There was a problem with the children. There was a great argument. Nobody was happy. It looks like the listening children were the acting children. They were tired of the game. And they just didn't have a heart to play the game anymore. So what happened? The flute starts playing their best sad dirge song. And they waited for the response of the, the acting children, the responding children, and they just, they weren't acting out in response. They weren't starting with the crying and the wailing and copying the adults and their sadness. And that made the flute-playing children really frustrated. They were frustrated with that. And then the flute-playing children, they decided to change it up, and they played their best happy party music, and then they looked at the acting children and the acting children, and they weren't dancing. They weren't dancing. So the flute playing children were calling out 
to their acting children and they were saying, hey, what's going on? We work hard, we play really hard, we got the happy party songs on our flutes and you're not dancing. And we play the sad songs and, and you haven't cried and wailed. Now, evidently, everybody was familiar with this kind of scene with the flute children and the acting children not responding. And so that was the scene that the Lord chose out of their daily life to show what this generation was like in verse 16 through 17, when he said, but whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we've piped unto you and you have not danced. We've mourned unto you and you have not lamented. Now, the Lord started with this time when the flute-playing children were playing their sad songs, their sad songs. And the Lord was saying that when children did that, their sad songs playing with their flute, that they were like John the Baptist. They were like John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist was like a child with a flute playing a sad song he was playing. Matthew 3, 1, we already saw this. Matthew 3, 1, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a sad song that John the Baptist was playing to the people. That was a song of now you have to remember all your evil sins and you, can, you have to confess them and turn, to, turn from them and be baptized in this Jordan River. That was the song that was designed to do for the people what Job did when he said in Job 42.26, Job 42.26, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. That was John the Baptist's sad song. And John preached his sad song, not at a dining room table where he was eating and drinking, but on the shores of the Jordan River so that he could baptize people into his baptism of repentance. And what was the response of the people? In response to the people, he said in verse 18, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath the devil. People looked at John the Baptist and said, he's out of his mind. He must be demon-possessed. And what was the response of John the Baptist to the people? Response, verse 17, verse 17, we have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. No response. Now, then turning from his colleague John, the Lord now speaks of himself. Now the Lord Jesus had spoken to the people for example, at the banquet that Matthew had put on for him. And what was the response of the people to the Lord teaching them at the banquet? Verse 19, verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. So they looked at the Lord Jesus eating and drinking, and they said, oh, he's a glutton, he's an alcoholic. Now, that was the response of the majority of the people that was the response of this generation that he was referring to in verse 16. The majority of the people of this generation did not appreciate the wisdom of John the Baptist. They did not appreciate the wisdom of the Lord Jesus. But that was not the response of everyone. It wasn't. There was a small group of believers who did appreciate the wisdom of John the Baptist and the wisdom of the Lord Jesus. And that small group the Lord called the children of wisdom. 
the children of wisdom, when he said at the end of verse 19, wisdom is justified of her children. And then from here, he now turns to the cities that saw most of his mighty works, and he says this word, woe. And we can only imagine what's behind that woe when he said in verse 21, verse 21, woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. Only he knows how much pain, how much suffering awaited those who rejected so much when he said the word woe. And now it's him who's like the flute playing child and who played the sad song with no response. And he explained that there would be in this judgment different degrees of judgment. And only he knows what that means different levels of pain and suffering throughout eternity that a person it would experience based on how much they had, how much light they were exposed to, and consequently how much they rejected. So what does this all mean for us? What's the application for us? Well, the application is that, first of all, as we see here, John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus using every means that they could to reach the people with the gospel so that the people didn't have to be judged for their sins. We see the Lord here struggling, trying to figure out how he's going to communicate, what's the best way to do it. He just doesn't you know, walk around and say, oh, you know, you sinners, you're lost. But he tries to help them, he's really, that's us, that should be us, that's our job. What the Bible says, be all things to all men. In other words, to do what we can, to think of new creative ways to reach individuals with the gospel, to reach souls with the gospel. We see this in John the Baptist and the Lord, a struggling, a striving, a trying to reach the people. That's one point that we get out of this. A second point that we do get out of this is that they were both frustrated, John the Baptist and the Lord, let's be clear. They were both frustrated with the lack of response, just as frustrated as those children were who said, what's going on with you? We did our best playing the flute, the sad music, the happy music, and no response from you. They were frustrated, pretty sure. But we saw that even with the best of the best, in other words, the best efforts from the man who was the greatest born among women, from the Lord Jesus, God who in the flesh, even from the best of the best, they could not bring these people and this generation to respond to the gospel message. So we need to realize, as a lesson from this, that there will be also those in our lives that after we have poured our heart out to them, they won't respond and there's nothing that we can do with it except to, for those people to Hear God say to us, at ease, soldier, you've done your best. You've done what you could. Their response is not your responsibility. Those people remain as they want to remain, and there's nothing that we can do to change them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this uh, wonderful passage, Lord, that you have recorded down for us. Help us, Lord, to extract from it all that would you would have for us to see in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.